you know what? It's really fun to be here. We've got reports that Al Horford has informed the Boston Celtics he is agreeing to a four-year deal worth $113 million. We did expect to hear about that decision tonight, and he has informed the Boston Celtics that he'll be there. Horford is going to take it. Another costly turnover in a key moment. Irving again. Oohs and eyes from the crowd. <laughs> Manages to get the ball back. Putting on a show with a ball handling. Layup is good. Oh, what a play from Irving. Kyrie, a bomb. Oh, straight fire. Horford was simply financial. He, he liked playing in Boston. They certainly loved him. But he and his agent believe there is a bigger or bigger deals out there. Boston is fairly resigned to the fact that Kyrie Irving is probably going to leave them in free agency. It's amazing, Greeny. As much as we talk about the Lakers and maybe some of their dysfunction, it seems like the Celtics have their own brand of it. So it's going to be a new-look Celtics team. Smart with the steal. Smart with the three. Back out to Jalen Brown. Strong first half. Oh, oh, and strong and cut a body. Oh, boy. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow. Hayward driving and traffic. Hanging, making Gordon Hayward with two seconds left to go. The Celtics up two. Extra feet. Oh, a special delivery. Brown to Tatum on a rack attack. Let's go. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? Welcome to episode number 46 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. Welcome back. It's nice to be back. It's been, what, four or five weeks? Hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone is just enjoying their life. Shout out to everyone who ran the BAA 10K yesterday. There was about 10,000 people that ran, including myself. It was a great day. Good time had by all. And I'm ready to to talk about some Boston Celtics basketball. I didn't even finish the word ready because I'm so excited to talk about Boston Celtics basketball with you. Uh, I guess you could say some stuff has been going on as of late, and I'm all for it, to be honest with you. That that gives me more stuff to talk about. So so let's get right into it. We're going we're gonna to recap the NBA draft. We are going to kind of explain what each pick means, how they're going to fit into the team, because I believe... Everything that's happened over the last, let's say, 
two weeks for the Boston Celtics is Danny Ainge really trying to change the culture and giving Brad Stevens the culture that he wants back because Danny Ainge wanted talent. Danny Ainge thought that talent was going to be the best way to help the Boston Celtics win Banner 18. And now, after seeing the past year, all the drama that went on, it's finding guys that are willing to be part of a culture and buy into Brad's system to be like team players because like Evan Turner worked out well and made a bunch of money with Brad Stevens. And it was unbelievable. And now he's on the Portland Trailblazers and he's doing well. And the Portland Trailblazers went very far in the Western Conference playoffs this past season. So I think Danny's trying to find locker room culture guys that will make Brad Stevens happy. And I'm all for it. I really and truly am. So let's start off with the NBA draft that happened last week. And then we'll get into the Kyrie stuff. We'll get into the Al Horford stuff. And then we'll get into cap space. And the cap space stuff, I'm going to be honest with you guys, it's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of math, and you're you're probably halfway through, you're going to be like, okay, can you just move on to something else? But it's going to be informative, and you're going to love it. That's a promise. All right, so let's talk about the NBA draft. Obviously, the Celtics started off with the 14th, 20th, 22nd pick in the first round, and then the 51st pick in the second round. And then they turned around and drafted four guys when all the rumors were going to be, no, we're not even going to draft three players. We're going to try and move up. Fireworks, fire, fireworks. And in classic Danny Ainge fashion, guess what? No fireworks. Kind of disappointing, but not surprising at the same time. And if anyone was surprised that they didn't make a move, like, come on. We deal with this year after year after year after year after year after year with Danny Ainge. He's always afraid to pull the trigger. And that's okay. To a degree. But let's just get into the draft. So 14th pick overall, the Boston Celtics select a top five recruit coming out of high school two years ago. Like it was RJ Barrett, Zion, Romeo Langford, who the Celtics selected at 14. And then, you know, John Morant and a couple other guys. So Romeo Langford from Indiana. I'm going to try and give him the benefit of the benefit of the doubt because he had a torn thumb last year. And if anyone watched the NBA finals or remember Marcus Smart coming back from the Eastern uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs two years ago when they played the Bucks, Kyle Lowry had a thumb issue, affected his shot a great deal, but he was able to kind of figure it out and worked out for the Raptors. And congratulations to the Raptors for beating the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. And then you had Marcus Smart, who really couldn't find his shot, but he's figured it out. His thumb's recovered, and it's worked out well for him. So Romeo Langford this year really didn't have a great shooting year, and a lot of people are blaming it on his bad thumb. And sure, okay, I get that, fine. And we all know Brad Stevens loves everything Indiana. I think Brad Stevens loves everything Indiana in Indiana more than I love the Celtics. It's absolutely crazy. So Romeo Lankford is a 6'5 shooting guard. His shooting, like I mentioned, really not that good. It was actually kind of bad. Like, he had a lot of games where he did not shoot the ball very well. And if a lot of you watched my Instagram live, I talked about the three players that I wanted and then the three players I didn't want. And Romeo Langford was one of those guys that I didn't want. And I have probably watched about 30 to 40 minutes of scouting report, scout like scouting report videos, highlight videos, whatever the case may be, of Romeo Langford. And I'm still trying to figure out how he's going to fit with the Boston Celtics. And I... One of the reasons why I'm disappointed is because, like I just said, I think Danny's trying to find locker room guys, find guys that fit. Romeo Langford didn't work out for the Boston Celtics. Romeo Langford might not even play in the Summer League, which, by the way, the Celtics released their Summer League schedule, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But he, I just don't understand how he's going to fit. Now, for starters, 
he can get to the basket, guys. And we know <laughs> throughout the playoffs, I bitched and moaned about the Boston Celtics not being able to get to the free throw line as much as they should or as much as any of us wanted. But this kid, Romeo Langford, can get to the free throw line. He doesn't have a really quick first step, but once he gets going, good luck trying to stop him. He can finish very, very well. He's a really good finisher. He doesn't mind getting contact. Now, Big Ten contact, you know, the Big Ten conference where Indiana is versus NBA contact could be a little bit different, but he's a, I feel like he's a tough kid who can take some contact, which is great, but he's not a good free throw shooter. And I understand the Celtics can change that, but I just, mm, just not a big fan of it. He does have some good on-ball defense because he's long. 6'5", his wingspan's like 6'8", 6'9". He's really, really good. But off-the-ball defense, watching some of his scouting videos, gross. Absolutely gross. And a lot of people saying, you know, at first, before, you know, the Celtics drafted a couple point guards in the second round, a lot of people were talking about, oh, he can be the next point guard. No! He can't be a point guard. He can't handle the ball very well. He's a perfect two-guard. So is he going to be our two-guard off the bench? Sure. But we got to hope his thumb recovers properly. we got to hope that he buys into the system that Brad teaches, and he realizes that he's not the number one guy. Because I watched Duke, Indiana, when Romeo Langford with the Big Ten ACC Challenge, and I really wasn't impressed with the kid. And sure, I understand he had the thumb issue, but nothing really jumped off the paper with me at 14. And that's fine because obviously I was a little angry at the time because Tyler Hero, one of the kids that I wanted, went 13. And then, so, end of the day, I'm going to give the kid a shot. I'm not happy with the pick. I thought there were a lot better players on the board, especially people that you worked out with, people that you know, people that you know how they work, people that have played in much bigger and better situations in Romeo Langford because Indiana basketball hasn't been good for a very, very long time. Ever since, basically, ever since Bobby Knight left. And they weren't that great the last couple of years. Bobby Knight was there. So then the Celtics had the 20th pick. And they started playing mind games. So the Philadelphia 76ers reached out to the Celtics and were like, hey, we want this Mattis Thibel guy, kid from Washington, who I mentioned in my Instagram live. I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics selected. And they actually did select him. But then they traded him to the Philadelphia 76ers for the 24th pick and then the 33rd pick. So you're like, okay, so now the Celtics have the 22nd pick and the 24th pick. Okay, great. Cool. I'm in. So this Mattis Thibault kid, hell of a wing defender. If they lose Jimmy Butler, they he can fill in defensively, but not offensively because he's not a great shooter. And that's why I thought the Celtics were going to, you know, draft him because they love good defenders and bad shooters. So then at 22, Grant Williams from Tennessee, who is a two-time SEC player of the year, was drafted by the Boston Celtics. He is going to... F- be your next Marcus Morris. He's going to be a much better semi Ojale. He's six seven, really thick. He's kind of reminds me of like PJ Tucker. I was talking to my buddy Dave about it. He's got that PJ Tucker type feel. Obviously, his jump shot's not that great. He can't really spread the floor that well, but he's going to be great defensively. He will be able to cover a lot of positions. Maybe not the point guard position, but I could see him covering a two, a three, or four with his athleticism and then with his physicality as a five. He cannot play the five in any way, shape, or form because he's only like six, seven, but he's a thick, thick boy. I think he weighs almost like 230. It's, it's pretty impressive, and he has a 6'11 wingspan, which, which is great as well. He gets a lot of... He, when I was watching some of his scouting videos, because I watch scouting videos on every single one of these kids after the Celtics draft him, because I'm insane. But he's a good rebounder, and he gets a lot of points with cuts, like backdoor cuts. Big guy kind of, you know, hey, look at me, I'm on the corner, I'm in the corner. 
backdoor cut, lays it in, finishes with contact, and I, and I really like that. He's a pretty good elbow jump shooter, so I ha- I'm not I hate Big Baby. We all know that I hate Big Baby Glenn Davis, but we all remember those Big Baby Glenn Davis elbow jumpers with between him and Nate Robinson, where they were calling him Shrek and Donkey or whatever the hell people were calling him. He's going to be making a lot of those jumpers. He's a reasonable passer. He had about three assists a game, but what I noticed watching some of his scouting videos, he's really good at passing the ball out of the post. So when he gets the ball in the post, he looks for people to cut. He looks for people to set screens, to curl around, maybe at the top of the free throw line. So I was really, really impressed with that. One thing I'm a little nervous about is he might have that Daniel Tice syndrome where he gets a bunch of fouls really quick. He fouled out of four games last year. So obviously that's going to have to improve because, you know, I know he gets an extra foul in the NBA, but that doesn't mean you should be going out and getting five fouls as fast as possible. But one of the great things I really liked about Grant Williams was his post draft interview with the Boston Celtics media. He mentioned Paul Pierce, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Kevin Garnett. He's obsessed with the fact that he got drafted by the Boston Celtics. He can't believe it. He's talking about which numbers he can be because there's so many great retired numbers. I'm all for it. And if that screams Brad Stevens type of guy, so you understand why he does it. So I am giving a thumbs up for the Grant Williams pick. It's going to take him a bit. He's not going to make instant impact right away, I don't think. But it's going to take him a bit, and I think by the end of the season, once the Celtics make the playoffs, because I do believe the Celtics will still make the playoffs, even with all this crazy-ass shit that's happening, I think I think he can be a good bench guy for this team. I think he can be a much better semi ogile Thick, jacked guy who can defend the ball well, rebound the ball well, and he's much... He's a better finisher than Shemi. And, you know, Shemi, when he first got in the league, his three-point shot sucked. But he was pretty good last year with a three-point shot. So then, Ty Jerome, another guy I thought the Celtics would draft. He gets drafted at 24, and then the Celtics trade him to the Phoenix Suns with Aaron Baines. Let me just say this about Aaron Baines. I love Aaron Baines. He did everything right. Everything that you told him to do, he twisted his ankles every 30 seconds. He, I bet you Aaron Baines, if he was taking a shit, would stand up and twist his ankle. That's how many times Aaron Baines twisted his ankle. And that's fine. Now, because of that, because of that trade, the Celtics cleared $8 million in cap space. How do they clear $8 million? Aaron Baines is about to make 5.7 mil. And then that 24th pick probably makes like 2.1, 2.2, somewhere in that range for being picked in the first round. And I'll talk about all that cap stuff later. And then what they got in return was a protected Milwaukee Bucks pick in 2020. Now, the protected pick is picks one through seven, and that's fine. But let's be honest, that's probably going to be anywhere between picks 25 and 30 because the Bucks are going to be good again. You know, So it's not going to be a great pick, but Danny was able to clear cap space and get another first round pick. So Ty Jerome and Aaron Baines to the Suns for a 2020 Milwaukee Bucks first round pick. So a couple picks go by, and then you're like, okay, before I start talking about Carson Edwards, I do not understand why the Celtics didn't draft a big guy. Not Bull Bull. I I am team Brandon Clark. If you looked on Celtics Twitter, everyone was like, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark, take him, take him, take him. We all were we were all in agreement Brandon Clark would have been the perfect fit for this team. Locker room guy absolute just does the little things right he is your next Al Horford type player 
again, not comparing him to Al Horford, but he could do all the things Al Horford could do minus shoot the three. He can rebound, he's athletic, he can defend multiple positions, good in the post, etc., etc. So I do not understand if Al Horford is leaving, like everyone's saying that he is, you're going to have that much face in the, in, in the Time Lord and Yabaselli to be your centers? Get another big guy. But instead, they went small. And you can kind of get it to a degree because maybe they don't have a lot of faith that Marcus Smart can run the point for the team. And they went and got a point guard. Carson Edwards from Purdue, six foot. And listen, my buddy Carl, who I, I'm sure is listening, him and I had a nice back and forth. It was fun. We both gave each other some attitude and it was enjoyable because I think the Celtics should have went big and he just loved the fact that they went for talent. And I'm, I'm not knocking Carson Edwards for his talent. But there are some things I'm going to knock Carson Edwards for. Number one, his defense. What did we all complain about a few years ago with Isaiah Thomas? Oh, my God, he could score. He could shoot. Oh, boy, but he can't defend. Mm, no. So if he comes off the bench as your backup point guard and Romeo Lankford comes back as your starting shooting guard, how are you going to hide Carson Edwards on defense when a bad off-ball defender is Romeo Langford. So how are you going to hide that? You could hide IT defensively with Marcus Smart around and Jalen and Al Horford. You can hide Isaiah Thomas. You can do that. It makes sense. But I don't know if you can do that when other guys aren't very good defensively. So I'm a little concerned about that. The other thing that I'm very concerned about <laughs> is he can't finish around the rim very well. So if he goes cold, it's not good. He shot under 50% around the rim this year because I think he's just a guy he is a high motor he's a tough kid but he just doesn't finish well he doesn't finish well like Romeo Langford does so Romeo Langford can't shoot Carson Edwards can shoot Romeo Langford can can finish Carson Edwards can't finish so it's very very interesting and I know a lot of people are like whoa did you but did you see the game against Virginia where he dropped like 42 points oh my god that was absolutely crazy sure um, I get it, but the last person that we were all obsessed with because of a cool NCAA tournament game was James Young. Remember when he went off in Kentucky? We were all like, oh man, the Celtics got the steal of that draft. This is unbelievable. Where's James Young now? Anyone? Anyone? Buying? Selling? Nothing? Okay. Sure. Carson Edwards dropped 24 points a game. That's really good. He shot 35% from three. Not bad. And he averaged three threes per game. Sexy. But here's the issue that I have with him. He averaged 2.8 assists a game as a point guard. That's scary. You want to know what's scarier? He averaged 3.1 turnovers per game. He has more turnovers than assists as a point guard. What did the Celtics do wrong all postseason? Turn the ball over. So now you're going to bring over someone who turns the ball over more than they have assists? I mean, Jaylen, I mean, if you ask me, Jalen Brown will probably pass the ball better than this kid, and Jalen Brown doesn't pass the ball at all. So if you needed scoring off the bench, Carson Edwards can give it to you. So I'll give you guys that. Defensively, I'm nervous. Taking care of the ball, I'm nervous. Maybe Brad will put him in the right spots. He's another Big Ten guy. Big Ten near Purdue, Indiana. A lot of Indiana going on. So I'm not, I'm, I wanted them to draft big. 
I really did. Like that Fernando kid from Maryland that the 76ers took in in the next pick that they then traded off, I think, to the Heat. I forget where they where they traded Fernando to. Sorry, I'm having a brain fart. But I just wanted a big. And so maybe I was a little blind angry when I was arguing with my buddy Carl. But Carson Edwards is an athletic scorer that you can come off the bench. I just think there are going to be some games where you're more mad at him than you are happy with him because of some of the poor decisions that he makes. That's all. He's one of those kids that would rather take a terrible shot or make a terrible pass than make the right play. And maybe in Brad we trust, he can change that for them. So I'm going to – I'm 50-50 on the Carson Edwards thing. I'm going to give the kid a chance. I don't know if I'm going to give Romeo Langford a chance, but I'm going to give Carson Edwards a chance. And then at 51, final pick, Celtics took a New England native from New Haven, Connecticut, played at LSU, Tremont Waters. Guess what? Celtics went small again. Huh? 5-11. Yeah, hey, thanks, Tim. But here's the thing with Tremont Edwards. He's really good off the pick and roll. I was watching a lot of his videos, and that Reed kid from LSU, that center that got drafted, I forget where he got drafted, but a lot of kids wanted that Reed kid who was a center. Tremont Waters is really good off the pick and roll. He's good at passing. He's good at, you know, just pulling up for the elbow jumper. Whatever the case may be, he's good at attacking the basket. He's really good with the pick and roll. He's also a very good defender, and he's a very good passing point guard. Much better than Carson Edwards. But here's the issue. He can't shoot the ball like Carson Edwards. So, you know, to each their own. LSU had the top 15 offense in the country. I was looking that up. LSU, all the NCAA Division I teams, 15th ranked LSU that's pretty impressive and Tremont Waters was the starting point guard for that team so he can run a good offense he and I don't know if his ceiling's off the charts I don't know if he's going to make the team because you got to decide what you're going to do with Brad Wanamaker if you need like that third point guard just in case if Marcus Smart does get hurt because we all know that's bound to happen next season so I don't know where Tremont Waters is but I I feel like he's going to be enjoyable to watch during the summer league now speaking of the summer league the Celtics made a couple summer league signings. And the first is Taco Fall. That's right. That was the Taco Bell ding noise. You're goddamn right I just did that. And they also drafted DePaul's Max Struss. And DePaul's Max Struss is just like one of those guys that every single time you watch him play basketball, you're like, this kid's a freak of an athlete. He probably played football. He probably played baseball. He probably played lacrosse. He probably did track and field. He was probably like a six-time six-season varsity athlete, like just one of those kids that can jump through the roof, can shoot the ball really well, but just can't get his game to change over to the NBA lifestyle. Definition of it. But Taco Fall, guys, 7-6 from, what is it, FSU? No, FCU? CFU? UCF. Jesus, Tim. My God. Yeah, he's from UCF. Like, he's ridiculous. He's not going to make the team. (laughs) But, I mean, Taco Fall, what a name. He's going to be a, a joy to watch in the summer league, kind of like Ante Zizic or maybe Time Lord. But, I mean, you can't have Time Lord and Taco Fall because one of those kids' legs are about bound to break because of how skinny they are. Like, I, I, <laughs> the 
This Taco Fall thing, folks, is going to be really, really funny to watch. He's so freaking tall, 7'6". His wingspan, for all I know, is probably 8 feet. It's bananas. He did a reasonable job against Zion Williamson and Duke in the NCAA tournament. He's a terrible free throw shooter. He can't shoot anything outside of, like, 6 feet, which is fine. But he can rebound the ball, and the Celtics need rebounding. We all know that. And... If you guys need a Celtics backs basketball fix, if you know me well enough, I love the Summer League. I really enjoyed enjoy the Summer League. It's kind of actually around the time last year where I decided to do the Banner Branch podcast. I was doing live post-game podcast like live post-game recaps of the Summer League. Like one person watched it. It's fine, whatever. So, they start off July 6th, 5:30 Eastern on ESPN against this Philadelphia 76ers, so we'll see how Mattis Thibault does. And then on July 8th, they face the Cleveland Cavaliers on ESPN at 7.30. These are all Eastern time, folks, not in Las Vegas times, okay? So we'll get to see Darius Garland, which I thought was a very weird pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers to have Sexton last year and then Garland this year, both point guards. Okay, that's bizarre. And then July 9th, we'll be able to see Bull Bull. That's right. The Nuggets worked out a trade to get Bull Bull, and that will be at 8 p.m. on July 9th on ESPN. And then we get to see Ja Morant, the number two pick, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on July 11th against, that's right, Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe Jared Jackson will play. It should, and who else did they get in that? Oh, Brandon Clark. So we get to see how good Brandon Clark is going to be in the NBA. Mwah. I really wanted the Celtics draft Brandon Clark, but that game will be on uh, NBA TV. Yes, that game will be on NBA TV. All right. So, what do I wrote? This is what I wrote down in my notes for the podcast. What do these picks mean? So, I'm going to start with Langford. I have no idea. I have no idea. The talents there, where he fits onto the team, clueless. Absolutely clueless. No idea. Grant Williams. He's just a guy you're you're going to cheer for. He he's going to fill in that Marcus Morris role. That tough. Energy guy off the bench. If Marcus Morris doesn't resign with the team, I'm going to be really sad. Stand by your man. But Grant Williams, I can see being a Boston Celtic for a really long time. Someone that the city really enjoys. Just great kid, good head on his shoulders, works his ass off every night. Carson Edwards, he's your backup point guard. If that means no Terry Rozier, you know, I hope it works out. How will all these things help? I really don't know. I mean, obviously, trading Baines opens up $8 million, so that's good. And maybe now you have an asset for a trade if someone wants a late first-round draft pick because that will help them with cal- um, calories. With the salary cap, you know, if they want to move down to help their salary cap to maybe sign a free agent, that could help. Um, this Water Kids, I feel like he could be the next, like, Shane Larkin. Maybe a Quinn Cook if he's lucky. So I really don't know where that's going to be. I could see him being up at, in... Uh, Portland, Maine with the Maine Red Claws a lot next season. And overall, the NBA draft, I thought the Grizzlies killed it. The Cavs got talent. I just don't know what they all do. With Yeah, I really don't know. I thought the Heat did pretty well with their draft. So yeah, overall, I think the NBA draft went okay for the Celtics. I think summer league-wise, you can give it a B plus. Fit-wise, you can give it like a C-, minus. but like talent-wise, you could probably give it a B, B+. Plus. So it's going to be an interesting summer for the the rookies, the player development group, everyone involved with the Boston Celtics who selected these guys. All right. I know you guys want me to talk about Kyrie and Al Horford, and I have a lot to say about all of them. 
And we're first going to start off with Kyrie Irving. First off, I want to apologize to my friend Brian Schmidt for basically ruining his birthday because when I found out that Kyrie wasn't coming back and Al Horford wasn't coming back within a span of 30 minutes, things really went downhill for me. Yeah, it, it, it was not good. Now, I understand why everyone wants Kyrie out. I really do. I, I'm more of the basketball fan of Kyrie than I am, you know, the media locker room person. But everyone thought it was his fault. And I don't think that it, that it was his fault. Like, there are reports out that Jalen had issues with him. Terry Rozier had issues with him. Towards the end of the year, Brad Stevens had issues with him. And then people are saying that Jason Tatum and Kyrie had issues. Get out of here. I don't believe that for a second. They were always around each other. They're Duke guys. But I feel like they, they were close. They were close. So please, stop with that nonsense. People literally making Kyrie out like he's the goddamn devil. And sure, if this ruins this franchise for the next five or six years, sure, maybe I'll hop on the devil bandwagon with you. But it just didn't work out. Like, so much bad luck has happened to the Celtics, like, ever since the Isaiah Thomas trade. And don't blame that on Kyrie. Each and every single one of you would have made that trade. Everyone would have signed Gordon Hayward to that deal. No one had any idea Gordon Hayward was going to get that injury. No one had any idea Kyrie was going to break his nose and then the Celtics were going to win 16 games in a row. No one had any idea that Terry Rozier was only going to show up against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers and then go 0 for 10 from 3 in Game 7 versus the Cavs. Like, no one knew any. No one knew that was going to happen. Kyrie Irving, at the end of the day, is still a top 20 player in this league. And you know it. You're just butthurt because you thought he was going to be better. And no one has a higher winning percentage outside of Kawhi Leonard in NBA history than Kyrie Irving. The dude just had four bad games. And I know you're like, oh, dude, you're, you're a Kyrie stan. And maybe I am. He had four bad games. It happens. It happens. Can you imagine if Kyrie did break his nose a couple seasons ago? And he didn't, you know, he took some games off and they didn't win 16 games in a row. They're not the two seed anymore. They're playing different people in the playoffs. They might not have home court versus the Cavs and things would be a lot different. Like what if they lost to the Philadelphia 76ers? Does Terry have that ego? Does Jalen Brown have that ego? And sure, you can maybe blame it on the fact that Brad Stevens put Gordon Hayward in the starting lineup too early. Sure. I'll I'll high five you on that. But it's, the dude did everything he could. Did it work out? No. And that's okay. You, you can blame Kyrie. You can blame Gordon. Maybe playing too soon. You can blame all that stuff. But the real issue here is, and I've always thought this, is that that team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals, that lost to the Cavs in Game 7 at TD Garden, that was the worst luck for the Boston Celtics. Because that changed the attitude of Terry and Jalen and Jason and what everyone thought about this basketball team. There was so much hype behind that team because those young guys had a good few games. And Kyrie had a few bad games and everything went to shit. Remember, guys. Terry Rozier went 0 for 10 from 3 in the biggest game of his career. And then he comes in the next season thinking he's better than Kyrie Irving just because his team went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Stop. Stop. It's just bad luck, and it happens. Sure, and like I've said, I'm a Duke guy. I'm biased towards him. I've watched him grow as a player ever since he got into college and to now. And I know Kyrie's a weird person, and it's not all of his fault. So am I pissed that he's leaving? Sure. Am I pissed that he gave up so easily? Sure. Am I pissed that he still walked out of that game when they were losing towards the end of the season, uh, in the playoffs? Sure. All of those things. But I'm a big believer that talent wins in the NBA. 
And Kyrie Irving is more talented than anyone else in the Boston Celtics team right now. And you know that. And I know that. So sure, I got five pairs of sneakers behind me. I got a hoodie, got a hat, got a bobblehead on my desk. I'm a, I'm a Kyrie guy, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm upset that he's leaving. And I'm going to boo him and clap for him all at the same time when the Brooklyn Nets come two or three times to TD Garden next year. No doubt about it. Now, would I be surprised if Kyrie has a thigh contusion and then doesn't come? Sure. Absolutely. But I, I'm angry at Kyrie. I'm disappointed in Kyrie. But I've always been a fan of Kyrie. So I'll get over it. And I'll still cheer for him no matter where he is. And I know people are like, dude, are you, are you kidding me? Like, uh. Remember, I was a fan of Kyrie before he came to the Celtics. And sure, all these weird Instagram posts, this flat earth thing, I get it. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just a, I'm just a Kyrie guy. I'm pissed that he's leaving, and, and that's that. But I think what's more heartbreaking than Aaron Baines leaving or Kyrie leaving, as much as I'm a Kyrie guy, is Al Horford moving on. Al Horford was, it, 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 man, just thinking about it, it just really sucks. It, it's like a gut punch. He is the definition of class. True professional. Sure, it's a little weird whenever a free throw goes up and a rebound comes at him and he flinches. That's a little bizarre. And if you guys never seen that, literally Google Al Horford flinching at rebounds. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious stuff. I always felt, end of the day, Al Horford was the team leader. Al Horford kept those kids in check during the playoffs when they lost to the Cavs in Game 7. And I feel like after seeing all these kids this past season and the way that they acted, I think Al was just like, I can't babysit these kids anymore. I don't want to. I want to make some money. I want to go win a title because I don't know if these kids are ready to win a title yet, which is which is fair. You can't even be mad at Al Horford for thinking that. Al Horford has given nightmares to Giannis Antetokounmpo, Embiid, and a lot of really, really good players. And what he has done for this organization is incredible. I'll never forget it. He was the first big-time free agent. We've talked about it in the Banner Banter investigations. That's um, Xavier McDaniel was the first like big free agent that kind of came to the Celtics. But like, if you look at any enjoyable Celtics player, and what I mean by enjoyable, like sure we might have all enjoyed Yuri Welsh or whatever the case may be in the early 2000s, but like your Paul Pierce's, your Antoine Walker's, your Ray Allen's, your Kevin Garnett's, your Rondos, your Perks, you know, your Isaiah Thomas, who whoever it is, they've all come through trades or draft picks. Al Horford was the first big-time free agent that signed with the Boston Celtics. He really and truly was. And I will forever love him for that. If I honestly think that if Al Horford retired here and they won a banner, I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics throw 42 up there. Like, the way that they retire numbers, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be crazy about it. Now, as much as we love Al Horford, we also have to be realistic. Al Horford is rumored to get about four years, $112 million out in the market right now, whether that's with the Clippers, whether that's with the Mavs, the Lakers, whoever the case may be, maybe even the Bucks. Can you imagine Giannis and Al Horford playing together? My God. But anyways, do you want to be paying Al Horford 25 to $28 million in four years when he's 37 years old? Probably not. Do you want to maybe pay Al Horford for the next two or three years of that type of money? Sure, I'm down. But you can't be paying a 37-year-old like $28 million. 
you can't, especially with how young everyone's coming up and how the fact that Gordon Hayward could take his player option next year and make like $34 million. You can't have Gordon Hayward and Al Horford taking more than 55% of your salary cap, especially if Al Horford's like, you know, 35, 36 at that point. You just can't do it. Now, we we can talk about why Al Horford's leaving at the end of the day. We can talk about how much I'm going to miss the Al Horford, Marcus Smart pick and roll because no one loves it more than me. But like end of the day, if Al Horford wants to go get a ring, no one deserves to get a ring more than him because Al Horford, every single year in the NBA that he has played, he has won. I'm sorry, he has won. He has made the playoffs. He's a back-to-back national champion in college at the University of Florida with Joakim Noah and Corey Brewer and all those guys. And then he's made the playoffs. Every single year he's in, he's been in the NBA. He's the definition of class, and he deserves a ring. So I'm okay with it. I really and truly am. So now we got to talk about what are the what are the Celtics going to do now? I mean, did maybe Danny Ainge hold on to his assets for too long? Possibly. Did we lose out on the Anthony Davis deal? I don't think we did. I'm glad Danny didn't pull the trigger, especially for one year with how bad Anthony Davis didn't want to play here for whatever reason, and we're not getting into that. It's over and done with. He's he's part of the Lakers. I now hate Anthony Davis because he's on the Lakers, okay? But everyone have, everyone would have done the Kyrie deal. Everyone would have re-signed, you know, I, I would love to re-sign Al Horford. Everyone would have drafted Tatum over Fultz and Josh Jackson, and everyone would have drafted Jalen Brown over Kristan and Buddy Heal. But now we have to hope that Jalen Brown – and Jason Tatum can be all-stars. If those number three picks can turn out to be all-stars, I think they can. And I think a future of Marcus Smart, who's now like your captain, they need to give Marcus Smart that C. He needs to be a captain of this basketball team. The Celtics really don't do that a lot, and I think Marcus Smart deserves it. I think a lot of people in the city now love him, including myself. I've gotten over the hump. Maybe I can do that with Romeo Langford. Probably not. Yeah, see, I'm already being negative towards Romeo Langford. But can Jason Tatum turn it up? Can Jalen Brown turn it up? Can Marcus Smart turn it up? And this team can be pretty legit. It really can. But I know what everyone's wondering. Oh, what can we do with the cap space? What can we do with free agency? So this is what I'm going to need you to do. It is time to nerd out, okay? Put on your reading glasses. Grab a piece of paper. Grab a pen. Grab a calculator. Maybe grab like a graphic design calculator. And don't play Mario or Snake on it either. Mm-mm. I know how I used to do that all the time. That's why I didn't do that great in school, and that's why I'm podcasting, okay? So let's talk about it. Let's break it all down. I'm going to answer some of your questions. Kemba, D'Angelo Russell, Vujicic, Clint Capella. I'm going to answer them all, okay? And I'm not. I'm going to try and not take too much of your time up, okay? Oh, I, a Gordon Hayward Funko Pop doll just fell. That's what that was. I'm not going to edit that out. That was That was entertaining. All right, so... I'm going to try and break down how the NBA salary cap works in a nice, calm, and hopefully clear manner. So each NBA team needs to have 12 players signed under contract for every game, okay? You know, like those guys at the end of the bench, you know, that like stand up for a crazy dunk and push their teammates around like, oh, they need to be signed to a contract, okay? The salary cap is 109 million, okay? 109. So write that down on your piece of paper, $109 million. All right, the luxury tax is $132 million. And if you decide to go over it, you can go over it by about $23 million. And if you hit that 133 mark, you then have to pay the NBA money. 
for like every dollar that you spend over a million dollars. Now, if you're a repeater in the luxury tax, like for a year, like it's your second year in a row going over the luxury tax, you have to double the amount that you did the previous year. So it would go from like $1 to like $2.50. And then the year after that, it might go to like $4. And the year after that, it might go to $6. So everyone clear with that? $109 million with the cap space, $132 million with the luxury tax. Cool? So let's just start off with a simple one. If Kyrie is leaving, and yes, folks, I'm still holding out hope. You're goddamn right. And if Al Horford leaves, yes, folks, I'm still holding out hope. You're goddamn right. That opens about $67.5 million, okay? Everyone get that? Cool. So the Celtics would then have about $100.5 million. Got it? Great. If they renounce the rights to Marcus Smart, I mean Marcus Morris, and what I mean by that is this. Marcus Morris is a free agent, but until he signs with another team, there's these things called cap holds. So, for example, right now, Terry Rozier has a $19 million cap hold, where really he only made nine, you know, like six or seven million dollars last year. So keep that in mind. So if they take away Marcus Morris's cap hold, which is $10.2 million, that will be then cleared under the salary cap. So now the Celtics move down to $90.5 million in salary cap. Then if they get rid of Shane Larkin, yes, he's still signed to the team. Brad Wanamaker, Jonathan Gibson, and Daniel Tice, that will open up about $6.6 million, okay? But because they do all that, they lose their mid-level and then your biannual. And I'm not going to explain that to you. That will drive you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. The 24th pick in Aaron Baines, the Suns, frees up about $8 million. So now at this point, the Celtics have $24.1 million to mess around with. And they only have 11 guys on the roster. So that's pretty good, right? Now, if you get rid of Terry Rozier, and I don't know about you, if you want Terry Rozier, go get yourself checked out. I'm all set with Terry Rozier. I'm all set with his attitude. I'm all set with his play. I'm good. You get rid of him, that now opens about... 32 to $33 million in cap space. Crazy, right? Crazy. 30, basically $33 million. So then you're like, all right, what about the draft picks? Well, Romeo Langford's going to get about 3.4. Grant Williams will get about 2.3. Carson Edwards would get about 1.2, 1.3. Waters, he's not going to make the team, so I didn't bother trying to figure that out. If the Celtics get rid of Shemi Ojale, they cut him. That opens up another half a million dollars. And then the Celtics payroll would be a nine-man roster worth $75 million. You'd have about $34 million to mess around with. I think that's great. Here's the issue. The Celtics, if they... I'm trying to say this the right way. The NBA always makes sure that you have 12 people on your roster at all times, like I mentioned, right? So because of that, the Celtics will have about $4 million in like fines that they have to pay to make sure they complete that 12-man roster. So they could lose some money there too. But basically, the Celtics have about 33 to $34 million that they can mess around with. So what are the Celtics going to do with that room? Well, you don't have to use it all this year. I really and truly believe that. You don't have to go out. Sure, you got to make sure you hit that salary cap. But... 
you don't have to go out and use it all because you could re-sign Jalen Brown. Like, what if Jalen Brown this year is an all-star? He averages 23-7 and, you know, that worldwide one assist that he always does. You, you may want to re-sign him to a max deal, but if you over, if you overpay for someone this year just because, then you're not going to be able to re-sign him because then, not next summer, but the summer after that, in two summers, guess whose contract's up? Jason Tatum. So you're you're hoping that Tatum and Brown turn up to be all stars, but do you want to be spending all this money on some you know Joe Schmo because he had a pretty good year last year, which then could affect your future even more than Kyrie and Al Horford leaving. Everyone good here? Great. Now the other thing that we also have to talk about about next summer, Tim, why are you talking about next summer? Because this is how the Celtics have to think. They have to think long term if they want to do this future thing. Okay. Gordon Hayward has a player option next year, like I mentioned, for $34 million. If Gordon Hayward takes a deal, if you will, like he realizes, hey, I'm not going to be the player that I'm, you know, the all-star that I was in Utah, that could open up more cap space where you could re-sign Jalen Brown. So then maybe you do want to take a risk on maybe overpaying someone this year. So right now, if Marcus Smart, I'm sorry, I keep saying Marcus Smart. Let me start that over. So right now, if Marcus Morris... Terry Rozier, Shemi Ojale, Brad Wanamaker, Shane Larkin, Jonathan Gibson, and Daniel Tice all don't come back next year. The Celtics will have 33 to $34 million in open cap space. Everyone following me? Great. Love it. So, who are the Celtics rumored to sign? The first one that everyone's talking about is a sign-and-trade between Kyrie Irving and D'Angelo Russell, Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics. The Brooklyn Nets do not want to do that for this reason and this reason only. When you do a sign-and-trade, and basically what a sign-and-trade is, folks, is basically D'Angelo Russell will sign a contract with the Nets, Kyrie Irving would sign a contract with the Boston Celtics, and then they would just trade. Neither team wants to do that because when you do a sign-and-trade with both teams, it creates a dead cap where you cannot go over. Even if it goes over the luxury tax, you are stuck at that number no matter what, and that will affect the Nets signing maybe someone like Tobias Harris, Kevin Garnett, Kawhi Leonard, etc., etc. Capiche? Great. Now, also, I have never heard of a double team sign and trade ever. It's borderline impossible. So again, it ain't gonna happen. So get it out of your mind. Now, does he want to come here? I don't know, maybe. Young team, but D'Angelo Russell was an all-star last year. He takes a lot of shots. And a lot of people complain that Kyrie Irving took shots away from. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So do you want another person to do that? But this time he's young, but he's only like three years younger than Kyrie. So I don't know. Do you want D'Angelo Russell? He's going to want like $24, $25 million a year. So with the fact that you just drafted Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, um, that Waters kid, it's a lot of guards. You've got no big men. So that's interesting, okay? So D'Angelo Russell, great player. Would love him on the team, but not worth it in my opinion. Then you have someone like Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, Milwaukee Bucks. Remember, he won the 2017 Rookie of the Year. He got injured in the like late in the season, and he came back. What was it? Game four and five for the Bucks. You know, against the Celtics in round two. Obviously, if you could take him away from the Milwaukee Bucks, that's a good thing. But the question is, are you willing to give him 18 to 20 million dollars a year for four years? He is young. He'll probably be about 28, 29 when the deal's over. He's a hell of a defender. Him and Marcus Smart in the backcourt would be fantastic. He shoots about 11 shots a game, 
you know, he was kind of like the third or fourth scoring option for the Bucks. He shot 50% from the field, 42% from three. That's very good. And obviously, it opened up because basically Giannis would drive the hole. Everyone would get over Giannis, kick it out. He's wide open. Would he be wide open playing with the Boston Celtics? I don't know. We'd have to find out. And then he shoots 92% from the line. Kind of like, I don't want to say like Marcus Smart. Like Marcus Smart, you know, had a couple double-digit assist game, but Malcolm Brogdon is a great defender, but he's not a great facilitator, okay? So do you want to sign him for a couple years and he's like 29? I don't know. I don't know. If you want to sign Malcolm Brogdon to like $18 million a year for like three or four years, and he's like 29, maybe 30 at the end of it, I'm not against it, but I don't want anything more than like $18 million for him. Then you have the big debate, Nikolai Jukovic, or Vujicic, sorry, Nikolai Vujicic. Played for the Orlando Magic, he's 28 years old, 7 foot, 260 pound, center. The classic center that we've all wanted. He puts up the numbers that we wish Al Horford put up. 20 points, 12 boards a game, and he only missed two games last season. Absolutely crazy. But again, are you willing to give him Al Horford money? Are you willing for him to basically sign at the same or sign him the same time Al Horford signed and then in four years have him go away like Al Horford did? I don't know. Al Horford signed when he was 29. He's not a great shot blocker. Al Horford's a better shot blocker than him, but Vujicic can rebound better than Al Horford. So I don't know. I honestly just don't know. Last year he made 12 mil. Do you think maybe you get him for 20 and that way then you can sign maybe another good player for like 13, 14 mil? Because you guys got to remember, Marcus Smart makes like $12 million. And Marcus Smart is a pretty good player in the league. So you have to get a Marcus Smart type player for like 13 or 14 mil to come back. Does Marcus Morris take that money? I mean, maybe. I mean, I think he only made like $7 million last year. Hey, why don't you come back, double the money, and just run with these young kids? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But Vujicic, for me, just because size, because as great as the Celtics, you know, little guys can be and how Brad really sets them up well and Tatum can shoot the ball better and Jalen Brown can shoot the ball better and hopefully Gordon Hayward comes back to himself, you still need someone to rebound the goddamn basketball, right? You just need at least like one person. And I just don't... I just don't know who they're going to turn to. So maybe they might have to overpay for someone like Vujicic to come. Who knows? Another person, Kemba Walker. He's the same exact thing as D'Angelo Russell, but he's going he's gonna to want all 34 mil. So do you want to throw all that money at, the, at Kemba Walker? I mean, Kemba Walker, all-star, really good player. He's young, went to UConn. People would lo- I would love Kemba Walker on this team. I really would. But if you're focused on Tatum and Brown... <laughs> and you're complaining about Kyrie, Kemba's going to shoot a shot probably more than Kyrie. If I were to look right now on who had more assists over the years, I guarantee you Kyrie's had more than Kemba. Actually, I'm going to do that right now. But Kemba, you know, Kemba is a really good player. I mean, you, you can't be mad at anything that Kemba does. Obviously, maybe he shoots the ball probably a little bit too much, but he's such a good player. He's He's nails. He's such a clutch player. He's made some big shots, and he really hasn't had a great situation um, in Charlotte. And you can't blame him for that. Hold on. I'm looking up this thing like, right on the spot for you guys, and I'm not going to edit this out. Yeah, so Kemba Walker last year. Kemba Walker took 20 shots a game and only had five assists a game. 
Kyrie took 18 shots a game and had seven assists a game. So he'll be taking some shots away and from the young guys and may not be able to get the ball to the young guys when he realizes he doesn't have a good shot. Now, obviously, I would take Kemba Walker on the team any day of the week. I'm just being a little bitch about Kyrie. Then everyone's talking about the Clint Capella thing. You're going to have to trade someone good to get Capella. The Rockets are smart. Maury's one of the best GMs in the league. You're going to have to give up Marcus Smart. So do you want to give up Marcus Smart, the heart and soul of your basketball team, as of right now, for a young center? I don't know. I don't know. He's really good off the pick and roll. I mean, Clint Capella gets all of his points off the pick and roll. But who's going to run the pick and pull? The pick and pull. The pick and roll with Clint Capella. If Marcus Smart's gone. Carson Edwards? Romeo Langford? Jalen Brown? What? Nah? Mm-mm. It's not going to work. So if you can if you can get like Romeo Langford, Semi Ojolet, and like two draft picks for Clint Capella, sure. Send them my way. Let's go. But like I don't want to give up Smarter Brown for him. No. I'm all set with that. A lot of talk a lot of talk is about can you get Brogdon and Vujicic? I think you can get both guys, but after that, your bench is going to be like, you know, really, really bad G League players like RJ Hunter, like those type of guys like on your bench. And then if one of those guys get hurt, you're then asking for a lot of them. So it's a lot to think about. It really and truly is. But the other thing that the Celtics have to think about and I know I'm ranting, folks, and I'm almost done, I promise. But next year's free agent class, if the Celtics want to get some free agents, really isn't that sexy. Obviously, Anthony Davis, he ain't coming back. Draymond Green, going to be kind of old. Mike Conley, he's going to resign at Utah. I'm happy for Mike Conley going to Utah. Andre Drummond, uh, I don't know. Eric Gordon, that doesn't make the nipples hard, does it? No? Okay. Tamar DeRozan, loser in the playoffs. Serge Ibaka, old. Harrell from Clippers? Maybe. Otto Porter Jr.? I'm all set. Kyle Lowry? He'll be like 32. I'm all set. So maybe the Celtics do spend some extra cash this year. So what did the Celtics do next? I don't know. I have no idea. They have so many options. I literally have no idea. For all I know, they're going to sign LeBron James. They're going to trade for LeBron James. I, I literally don't know what they're going to do. But in, in, in what would I like in a perfect world? I want... Your starting lineup next year for the Boston Celtics to be Patrick Beverly, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Nikolai Vujicic, and then your bench to be Edwards, Langford, Hayward, Grant Williams, Time Lord, and then two random guys who are really good at handshakes. That's all that I want. That's all that I want on the Boston Celtics team this year. That's it. That's all that I want. So that's it for episode 46 of the Banner Branch Podcast. If you guys have any salary cap questions... I feel like I'm a C plus slash B minus student when it comes to the salary cap. So if anything was confusing and I didn't make sense, I'm sorry. But just a reminder, we can't get anyone good unless they renounce the rights of Terry, Morris, Tice, Larkin, Wanamaker, and Shemi. Or I'm sorry, they release Shemi. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Don't forget about the summer league that happens right after 4th of July out in Las Vegas. July 6th, 8th, 9th, and 11th. I think the Celtics are playing. 
That's what I remember from the schedule off the top of my head because I didn't write it down in my notes. But that's that. Thank you so much for listening to the Banner Banter Podcast. Obviously, you're obviously listening on. I just said obviously, you're obviously listening. Obviously, duh, whatever. Listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Music, Spotify, Podbean, etc., etc. If you want to reach out to me with some questions, Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast or on Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18. You can also email me at Banner Banter Podcast at gmail.com. When is the next Banner Banter Podcast going to be? Once we figure out all the free agent stuff. I'm thinking mid-July, maybe end of July. And then we'll do another Banner Banter Podcast in August. Talk about the schedule. That's right, because season ticket holders love their schedule. So thanks for listening to this about hour-long podcast. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys basically uh, being my therapy or my therapist, if you will, Uh, just listening to me vent and talk about the Boston Celtics. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.